Hi, welcome to Just Out of Curiosity, a podcast that talks about sex and sexuality from the lens of a sex-positive brown woman that has a fascination with alternative or non-conventional lifestyles. My name is Shelly B, and I am that sex-positive brown woman. Over the course of several episodes, I'm excited to dive into topics that titillate my interests and make me ask my guests questions just out of curiosity. And so my curiosity today leads to reflecting back at this first half of the season. I'll be honest, I had no idea how much work this would be, and it's been quite the journey. Up to this point, I had recorded all of my episodes prior to launching because I'm a control freak like that. But through editing myself, I cringe at the things I say, wished I had followed up or talked more about certain things, or just gotten really annoyed with how bad my audio has been. When I was editing my first episode with John, all I kept hearing is my mouth making these noises. Annoys me so much. I actually shut down the computer through editing maybe the first 10 minutes and said I never wanted to do this again. I was just so embarrassed that I allowed myself to record myself in such a way. And I work in TV. How does that happen? I can tell you everything that I think I did badly, but I've had some great conversations with people about these doubts. And my takeaway from all of that is that I just need to learn to keep reminding myself that this podcast is a journey. It's a journey for me to articulate how I feel about this crazy world we live in, these polarizing views that don't help drive change. What I think helps drive change is to have compassion on either ends of the spectrum, reminding ourselves that the world isn't black and white. I don't think we're meant to live in those types of binaries. If you can see past conventions, you see so much complexity and nuance. And how can you be against nuance just makes the world so much more enjoyable. I thank the people that have supported and helped me with this podcast. I also thank all of you listeners for joining me on this journey and allowing me to figure out my voice. I appreciate your messages and comments, and you'll never know how much that means to me. The fact that you go out of your way to respond to something that I've done. Don't have to, but you do. And it puts a huge smile on my face and it makes my heart so happy. And while my voice is burnt out from this past Pride weekend in Toronto, I couldn't think of a better way to reflect on previous episodes and culminate it with talking about Pride and what it means than with my gay bestie, John De La Cruz. John has been there the entire time being my support, the person to bounce ideas off of, providing me with the framework so I can let my creative juices squirt over these parameters. He's responsible for all the social media we put out, and he's just too damn entertaining for me not to bring back. So let's get into it. Oh, hey. I'm back, bitch. Yeah, you are. Bow, 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 bow. Woo. You me with my pants down. So hold on. Let me just like zip up. <laughs> Hi. I don't know where oh, that came from. It just got, the air just got so much. Less musky? <laughs> Sorry, sidebar. So me and my partner, Anthony, are obsessed with this new term. It's not really new, but like we're, we, whenever we're like a little distracted, I'm like, Anthony, what's wrong? Do you have swamp ass? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he must love that. Coming oh, in you, hot. You know, Swamp the funny ass. thing is, um, that is not the first time I've ever heard that term oh. because <laughs> I used to work somewhere where um, if I was if I was covering for someone on their lunch break, uh-huh. they definitely had swamp ass. What the fuck? And apparently some of my coworkers, we all talked about it at times. 
Like that, as in you could smell it, it or is there like just a John, stain on the seat? Let me tell you, there was a smell and the smell only came from the chair. <laughs> it only came from the chair. Like we had to, I had to brace myself. I braced myself every time I had to get ready God to sit it. in that chair. Because, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, and we called it swamp ass. So yeah, yeah. it's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's totally a thing. You know what though? I was messing around with this one guy. Uh, way back when, obviously before Tell Anthony, me more. and uh, he was like, "Yeah, I love the smell of men. I love to smell his armpit. I love to smell, you know, his crotch and his balls and his ass." And you know, he kept on going down the list, but I couldn't stop stop giggling when he said "ass." I'm like, "You like to smell ass?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh fuck, right." He's like, you know, trying to get me turned on, and I'm just like, "Ah, you like to smell ass? What are you into? Swamp ass?" <laughs> Sorry. Okay, and I'm gonna rein it back in. Yeah. Hi, well, Shelly. So you have John? me here for a reason. Yeah, yeah. I do. Um, <laughs> I just realized yes. that I'm halfway through what I anticipate my first season of this podcast to be. Amazing. It's crazy. I can't believe how much time flies. So despite the fact that it feels crazy, like how do you feel about it? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. You're the only person, you're the main person that knows how long I've been planning this. Mm-hmm. I have been talking about doing this podcast for probably years now, mm-hmm. but, um, from when did we first start talking about this? Like with a serious tone, I'd say since December, November, December. Yeah. Like yeah, that soon was after when, your birthday. Right. So from November, let's just say November. So that's how many months? November, December, January, February, March, April, May, six. June. Six, six, seven six, months. Six or well, seven. yeah, okay. six to seven months. Um, it's been quite the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also really interesting that I actually did something. I, I, I didn't just talk about doing something. I right. actually did it. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's quite the feat because I never thought that I would actually follow up on talking about it. But also, like, there's that accountability. Like, I've also never really had that accountability to do something and to keep doing it. Right. Um, so that, that's been great. It largely imparts to you. Hey. <laughs> give yourself some cred. But yeah, I'm happy to be your co-pilot slash cheerleader slash you know, person nudging you, but I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited and slightly jealous Um, as fellow extrovert. I'm like, I want attention. Give me attention. Well, here you go. (laughs) Thank you very much for giving me this platform. But just to see my friend who is, you know, pushing herself out there, giving herself a platform to kick some ass, share Mm -hmm. her ideas, have really important, uncomfortable conversations to push the envelope. I couldn't be happier for you. So fucking A. Thank Keep you. on going and okay. you still have another half season to go. I do, but don't ask me what any of those episodes are on because I'm still <laughs> trying to figure it out. All good. All good. As you say, sometimes you need to fly the plane while it's building. Yeah. Or build the plane while it's flying and, and that's okay. Well, also the really interesting thing is I like a large part of this is for me. And then when I started, when we when we were launching and as like every day for two weeks, there was, there was, um, posts and stories. And we were like doing a lot of promotion. There were a lot of people that messaged me that like, that was actually one of the things that I liked the most. And I, and I think a lot of people have been like, what, what do you want to do with this podcast? Um, what do you want to get out of it? And I've always, you know, in the back of my head, there's always been this sense of community and like talking and, and starting driving these conversations to get people to think about some things, but like, what more can I do? What more can we all do? What can I talk about? And there's been some great, um, messages that people have come to me. And it's really interesting because I, I have my own personal Instagram and then I have this podcast in just Instagram. And I was having conversations with people that I've known for years, yeah. but now through this like 
Instagram account that's not me, but it is me responding. Right. And it's some people that I have known for years and just haven't talked to. Right. Or like we haven't had these conversations and they're like, I'm really proud of you. Or like they're talking to me about this stuff. And it's just like, this is, this is so, it's so weird. It's a little surreal to be like, um, not fly on the wall, but like an out of body experience of like, I'm messaging people that I know, but through a different persona, different lens, a different lens. And yeah. we're having conversations that I haven't had before with them. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just the conversations and the topics that have come across with my friends and people about, you know, questions that they now have about, about sex and sexuality and their lives. And I, um, that, that has probably been one of the best, the best things that have come out from it. Outside of like furthering, and I don't want to say this because you're sitting next to me, but furthering our friendship that sure. also has been completely mind blowing to depend on someone so much. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that it's so cool. And in fact, I have a question for you. Yeah. So when you first started this pod, uh, one of the things that you articulated is um, you want you wanted to start this pod because of conversations and a shift that you've seen in your dad. Yeah. Uh, referencing episode three, if I'm oh, not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that because um, you've been able to have these great conversations, you've seen your dad sh uh, shift in his perceptions of sexuality and so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. And you wanted to expand these conversations with listeners um, to, to help them expand their understanding. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you're hitting the mark or do you, do you feel that impact Ooh. yet or... I would love to think that I am feeling the impact. I, I think that because this is so, um, we're starting off so small that I might not have the scope and the brevity of like people listening in to, to really um, answer that question in its fullest. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, it's just really like I, the amount of times I've heard someone say, I can never talk to my dad about this stuff. And, and then I, it, it makes me feel really privileged. And I know that I have that privilege, but it makes me feel really privileged to have a relationship with my father where I can talk about stuff like that with. And, um, and also he's willing to learn and willing to, to yeah. see things and, and have these conversations with me. He very well knows having me as his daughter, um, that, if he says anything that's unfeminist or un unqueer or not queer friendly, like he'll look at me as if he he's bracing himself for for <laughs> some kind of um, fire breathing, yeah. Shelly remark on him. Yeah, um, you've trimmed him well. Yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> should be very proud of that. Um, I feel like I I. I I also share a bit of privilege being able to talk to my dad about sex in a, in a certain uh -huh. way, which is. Uh, I know not very common with most people. My dad's right. a very like oh. uh, sexual person <laughs> who likes to provoke and say like really nasty stuff. Yes. Uh, just to give you some context, you may have heard the story I before. I don't, I can't see it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so like just to give uh, people who are listening a context of who Robert Delacruz, my dad is. So like uh, one time I'm at home and my dad's like, hey, Jonathan, when you pull your dick out of Anthony's butt, <laughs> Is it covered in shit? <laughs> so that that's my dad. So so unlike your dad, however, um, while he can say some really nasty stuff, <laughs> aka what I just shared, he's not one to you know debate or listen or brace mm. for impact because you know his way is his way, right? right. So um, yeah, obviously the experiences with our each of our respective dads differ, but uh. well, it's also really interesting though, because when that episode with my dad came out, I, I was very uncertain if that episode was going to happen or when it was going to happen mm -hmm. because 
Um, I preface this in the episode, but me and my dad butt heads a lot. Sure. And um, it was getting to the point where like, I just don't know if I want to have this conversation with him because if he gets too defensive and his back yeah. gets up against the wall, is he going to, is he going to start fighting with me? Is he mm-hmm. going to start um, lashing out or is he actually going to try to allow this conducive behavior or right. conversation to exist? And um, I sat on it. I think you also told me that I should do it because I was like, I don't want to do this. I can't handle this. <laughs> um, but I, there's, there's parts of him that I, I, I allowed for the nicer side of my dad to show up and I, and I really gave him a space to feel comfortable talking about it because if I ever were to bring him back, I think I would, you know, ask more questions because I didn't question him that much. I didn't fight back on some of the things that he said, because as much as it's so lovely hearing him now talk about how he wanted to incorporate sex education from school with me and really have these conversations with me at the same time, I was never allowed to go to the school dances because Mm. God forbid I touch a boy, (laughs) you know? And I was the only, I, at at one point I was, my father was the only person that denied me from going to the school dance. And it was getting really awkward because uh, the teachers were like, I, I think the teacher, not in not so many ways to make me feel guilty, but was just like, we have to keep a teacher around just for you. Oh, boy. And they're like, is there any way that your dad can come around to it? And I was just like, have you met my dad? Yeah, I yeah. can't even have No, no. Right, if right, he says right. no, he says no. Um, but there were some times where it was just like I, I was really overprotected by my father. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so it's great. It's great that he wanted, he he tried really hard with me in some ways, but in some other ways I felt like I was a lone wolf by myself trying right. to figure this stuff out because my my parents or my father were a little bit more protective than everyone else around me, right. which is also the problem with being um, a brown child sure. in a largely white or non-brown school. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever had any of those. Uh, no, my my parents were very hands-off. They were okay. like, all right, Jonathan, just go to school and make sure you bring back some good grades. Did you ever, so, like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. But did you ever have any moments where um, you could see that that clash between what was happening in school and, like, North American culture, and then, like, it, it was different than what you had as, like, Filipino in your household type? Like, did you ever notice any clashes or inconsistencies? Yeah, of course. Um, though, um, my, my, like, as I was kind of alluding to, my dad's really different um, mm-hmm. and not one to really push Filipino culture in that respect. So he was uh, very, okay. like, hands-off. Um, but I, what I do want to mention, though, is that as someone who was listening in the conversation, a very, really open, like, it was... It, I, from someone who wasn't in the conversation, it was very surreal to sit in and listen on, into a very intimate, interesting conversation uh, between you and your dad. And um, one, I think that your dad should get so much credit for being willing to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Two, um, I think if, if, as, as much as you were just kind of describing, you know, the challenges of having a very oppressive um, uh, parent who's like really into your shit. Uh, it was, it's a double-edged sword. So sure there was some crappy stuff, but, um, as, as you pointed out, you, um, it wasn't really clear in your memory. The fact that he really advocated for that science class piece, that was really fucking cool. It was. I, I loved hearing about that. So did I. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I feel like I probably remembered parts of that, but like not to the extent of when he was telling me. 
And as embarrassing as that probably was, maybe I didn't remember because I was so embarrassed that he went and brained out the teacher. But like looking back at it, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Like, thanks, dad. He's like, advocating for you as a, as a feminist, really. He didn't really. have to, yeah. He didn't have right? to at all. And then there he was being like, you, you didn't let my daughter experiment? Yeah, yeah. She had to take notes? That's bullshit. Um, yeah, yeah. And even the fact, I guess it was because I was really upset coming home. I can see that because I had a conversation with my mom and my dad too. And my mom was just like, yeah, Shelly, you were really upset about it. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it is it is really nice. Like you said, a double-edged sword, which sucked in some ways, but I think really benefited me in the right. end. Yeah. There was another part um, that you were talking about just earlier about um, uh, crafting the, the podcast to ensure that your dad came across in a really nice way. So I do have to say though, Shelly, so like the, the tone of the conversation, again, as an outsider, maybe yeah. this is interesting feedback for you, but like the tone of the conversation was very like equal and like lovely back and forth, back and forth. And then there's like a, a, a pivot, like a very distinct pivot in the conversation where um, you had an opportunity to tell, to tell your dad, dare I say lecture dad <laughs> on what male privilege is, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you you caught yourself. Yes, during, no, I yeah. did. <laughs> so, but the way that it was framed, your dad's like, "Yes, Shelley, I do understand what male privilege is, <laughs> and I can understand where you're coming from," yeah. which was really, really lovely. Well, it was it, when we were talking about it beforehand, and I was talking about what patriarchal society is like yeah. and how that doesn't benefit me at times. He got he got very defensive, right, and. He um, he just was like, that doesn't exist in my world. And I had all these women bosses where I work. You know, I'm the patriarch of this family and I don't exclude women. And I was just like, you know, this isn't about you specifically. It's right. about like the society at large. And okay, I will learn from this and I will not talk to my dad about ideologies because that's just not going to fly. Yeah, yeah. But it just seemed at that point in that conversation that like he was, the way we were speaking about trans people, right. that like he how he was talking, if if he could understand from that same perspective what it meant for me as a woman in a patriarchal society or for women in patriarchal societies, it, like it felt like it just matched. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, let me see if I can do this. Let me see if I can do this. Oh my God, yeah. fingers crossed. Leap and it faith. worked and it worked. And it was just like, okay, great, great. I hope that he retains that information and he can see it. Also, yeah. he's going to Pride on Sunday. Yes. So uh, exciting. Oh my God. So and it's his first pride too, isn't it's his, it? It's his first pride. Yes. Woo. So also other big news in having a podcast is that I have a boyfriend now. What? I know. <laughs> Somehow I have a boyfriend that's very okay with this whole podcast thing and me and what that means. But he heard the episode and was just like, Shelly, I'll take your dad to pride. And he's like, I'll be that buffer. I'll be that baby step that he might need. And I was just like, that is actually the sweetest thing. I've only known you for one and a half months and you're willing to do that for me already. <laughs> um, and I thought that was super cute. And then I asked my dad and my mom and they're both like, well, if Jesse will go, why not, why not us? And I was like, this is actually so So cute. your mom's coming too? My mom will be there too. And I'm also walking in the parade. That's so great. That I'm I'm so over the moon. Like all, all of this progress, all this excitement with yeah. your parents coming together to support you, um, to support Pride. It's phenomenal. I'm pretty sure my mom will be wearing sunglasses, looking for the naked men in the, in the parade. <laughs> Sorry, you know, mom. I'm going to say something controversial about Pride. Kay. Actually, the parades particularly. I feel like the Pride parades are designed specifically for straight people. 
So like the, uh, for them Tell to feel more. good. Tell me more. Tell me more. So dare I say, dare I say there is an element, not a complete element, but there is an element of the pride parade that is performative, that, mm. that makes people feel like, okay, this is, or particularly straight people, corporations. Okay. I, I know I'm dipping mm. into this. Um, uh, I don't know. People who want to support like allies, a space for allies to be really, really, um, supportive of the community uh-huh. of, of, uh, of, of challenges, but for queer spaces where queer people want to be out and proud, you know, they, they mm. exist elsewhere. Maybe, um, for people have said, uh, the trans parade, the, the dyke march, yeah. that's where grassroots, uh, political, um, beliefs are really, really voiced. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also feel, I mean, maybe this is for the better, but if there's less attention, I find, that is put towards the dyke march and Mm -hmm. the trans march. Mm -hmm. Um, Less corporate dollars. Yeah, there's that. And I know, you know, even looking at the the root of it all, it's, it's a shorter route. Right. But a part of me then, you know, talking about the corporatization and just the fact that it's, um, performative, mm-hmm. is it better than that, you know, the dyke march and the trans and the trans march, mm-hmm. um, are smaller because it lends to queer people being together with other queer people. Like it's an actual, it feels more community based. Right. Um, is that, is that a bad thing to say? No, not at all. I, I think that, um, when you look at the main pride parade, which, you know, has its benefits and, and, and negative pieces, right? It drives costs. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot have a big massive pride parade without, like dare I say, like I, I, I yeah. think that it's been proven that you, you cannot have a big pride parade, pride celebrations without corporate sponsors, right? So it's your question about, is it a good thing if it's small? Absolutely, I'd say yeah. so. If you want to uh, maintain that grassroots, small, politically driven, um, non-corporate space that, that pushes for the, the queer agenda, um, it needs to be grassroots. It needs to not ha- be dictated by corporate dollars. Yeah, it's... Grr. Sorry. <laughs> I hear myself. I'm like, oh my gosh. Who yeah. invited the Marxists? So powerful you are, John. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I also wonder, though, the, 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 the Dyke March and the Pride parade not the pride march also not having as much corporate dollars like why Mm -hmm. because i mean as much as we want the grassroots part of it all i like the fact that it's small because it's grassroots but at the same time it's it feels sad that those two in particular are smaller and i wonder oh i see what you're saying why they're smaller are they smaller because it's not it's not like the gay pride part of it all and i think sometimes that kind of encapsulates everything Mm -hmm. um or like, yeah, I just don't know if I'm looking too much into it. No, I, I think what you, there's a, again, a double-edged sword to, to being small and sure they're not getting the corporate dollars, sure they're not getting as much uh, attention, um, but again, they're, they're getting their message across, they're creating space, they're advocating for the yeah. rest of the community. Um, I just hope that they're, they're getting the, the, the impact that they seek. Yes. Yeah, I think, yeah, that uh, ultimately is what I'm also wondering. Mm -hmm. It's curious, though, because there is this notion of, like, 
the corporatization of pride and and companies that are, are are you know have floats and are walking in in the parade and and they're you know the reasons as to why they're doing it is it just performative do they actually want to make an impact do they have queer people that are employees of them but like what about we don't know where half of these corporations what their intentions are with being right. pride and what if someone like Chick-fil-A was like, I doubt this will actually happen, mm-hmm. but Extreme what case, if Chick-fil-A it. and us knowing everything about Chick-fil-A, um, what if they decided that they wanted to have a, a, a float in the parade because right. they had queer employees that, you know, they want to, they, they want to empower or they want to give a space to. Right. And for those that don't know anything about Chick-fil-A and why this might be an issue is, um, oh God, I, I think it was like five years ago. Depending at some point, Chick Fil A in the states, you know, said that they were a very Christian uh, organization. They gave Sundays off to their employees, but they, they, um, part of their philanthropic, philanthropic, philanthropic. Wow. Okay. <laughs> part of their philanthropic views was that they would um, give money to other Christian organizations, which also involved conversion therapy and other like pro-Christian family value type mm-hmm. organizations, which you know, is a step back for queer, the queer community in general. So if you had a problematic or somewhat problematic company saying we want to be in the parade, what do you do with that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. First of all, great explanation on on Chick-fil-A. I know that you were kind of like, (laughs) put it on the spot and like, okay, let me do my best to explain this. Great job. (laughs) So let me just rephrase or reframe what you're saying. I think what you're getting at is what do we do with hypocritical corporate um, sponsorship, right? So, like uh, Chick Fil A, obviously, is not is like a, a corporate sponsor mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. But like, um, there are documented organizations or corporate do- um, organizations that will sponsor Pride, but also fund money to very extreme right organizations yes. that are anti queer. Right? Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? No, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure how I want to answer this, but I will say this. Uh-huh. Um, I would rather um, take a hypocritical corporate dollar than a full-out anti-corporate hmm. corporation, right? So, like, um, so it, it, it kind of is akin to, and this is a bit of a tangent, but I will bring yeah. it back. It is akin to um, what do we do with queer spaces and um, um allies or non-queer people coming into gay bars and just like taking up space, yeah. right? So like my, like my stance is let them in, make sure that they're paying their drinks at the bar, make sure that they're paying drinks, um, tipping the queens. Yes. You know, sure they're taking, like they're taking away from queer spaces, but if they're dropping their dollar, I'm a bit of a capitalist in that sense, right? If you're paying money and you're supporting a queer business, yes, absolutely. you are supporting queer companies. Yeah. Right. So uh, analogous... I hope I'm saying that right, or parallel to that. So for uh, corporate sponsorship, so long as these corporate corporations and their dollars aren't dictating how queer communities are governing themselves, mm-hmm. how they are, um, I don't know, dictating how they want to move forward with their, their social agenda, I think it's fine if they are doing some backward dollars. I would obviously prefer for like a full out, we are like a thousand percent LGBT friendly. Um, I would rather take that dollar than, you know, a Chick-fil-A. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I hope don't. I don't get hate for that. <laughs> but I, I like, who are we to actually know the answers to these things? I think it's just it, it gets it's something to question because, especially with the climate that we're in, there is this notion of like who's actually perform like how performative is all this action? Like, right. are they, is it just all lip service? Are they actually like putting their dollars towards something? Mm-hmm. Is this just a way for people to buy into their products? Right. Um, because I was also, um, I, I did just like, I Googled corporatization of pride and mm-hmm. there was an article that I came across. Hold on, let me, I, and they were talking about some of the hypocritical, um, backings of people in pride or okay. sorry, in the parade. And, and it is also just like, we, we only know this information. There's probably lots of stuff that we don't know that of companies course. don't do. Um, I don't know if I can find this now, but it was something like, let's just say Adidas is a huge sponsor for, for pride, but their, um, their w- large warehouses and a lot of where their sh- shoes are made is in China, which right. is very anti-LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do you, like, it, it, it's this whole chicken and egg kind of concept, I guess. Right. But, like, what, is, is, it, is it okay? Like, what do we do with the stuff that we don't know? How do we try and move forward? Is, is it too much, is it too hypocritical? And maybe that's where my question about Chick-fil-A came from is like mm-hmm. reading some of these hypocrisies of big companies and not really knowing where they put their money. What then happens when you do have some kind of company, like I don't, outside of Chick-fil-A, how far is too far? At what right. point do you have everyone, you know, in a parade? Right. You know, absolutely. It's a, it's a really good question. And if I could just like try my best to break this down, like for me as a individual who mm-hmm. benefits from certain privileges. Sure, I'm a cis gay man who's also a POC, right? Like I have certain privileges. I also have some systematic barriers in front of me, right? Yeah. I am so grateful. And I, and I know I'm repeating myself from uh, our first podcast. Oh, yeah, you are. But as a result of uh, waves that people have made prior to me, so my elder gays who we're out on the streets in the 80s protesting, yeah. building awareness, you know, fighting the government for, you know, um, gay marriage, which was only legislated, what, like back in the early 2000s here in Canada. Um, we as a queer community and our allies hand in hand stand on their shoulders, right? And it's so easy to have these rights pulled back. Yeah. So I am proud of where we are as a society. I am proud of who I am. I am proud of the fact that I could go to work and be a flaming faggot, you know? Yeah. And I am lauded for it. And I'm so grateful <laughs> for my for for my employers and my colleagues who celebrate who I am. Yeah. And I I really, really hope that this gratitude and this recognition of where we are as a as a mm. as a society is amplified through these celebrations of pride, right? And and uh, hopefully I can be an ally and an advocate for those who can't do this yeah. in China, yeah. in other places where it is illegal. Fair. Yeah, right? no, no, that makes sense. And I, I have been in the South Korean pride parade and it is yeah. a much smaller, like it is just a circle road and, and maybe 
I don't even know. Like I would say one twentieth of the people that go to this parade. And mm-hmm. I think even one twentieth is a little bit too much. Although it's probably changed in in the amount of years I've I've left Korea. But I guess it does make me like there is a sense of pride when I'm in Toronto's pride. And I haven't really truthfully been to very many other countries' prides, but it's hard to know where you draw that line. And and sometimes it's just like, fuck yeah. Like recognize the fact that queer people exist. And yeah, we let our freak flags fly. And, and if everyone wants to get in on it, cool. I do recognize that there's probably like the underbelly of pride that many other people don't know about. Yeah. That is also largely celebrated as well. Mm-hmm. I would love also the grassroots part of it all to stay alive as well. It's not just a party. Right. It's absolutely not. And uh, if I could say another thing about pride. Yeah, please. Uh, reiterating something that Bosco, uh, yes. a drag queen from season 14, RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Shut up, Bosco. Ow! I'm going to botch what she has said, but I'll do my best. So she recognized that Pride, the queer community, pre-corporatization, pre-family-friendly, you know, had an aspect of the community that was sex-oriented, that was yeah. sex-positive. Mm-hmm. The kink community, right? The naked people that your mom is going to be watching for, yeah. right? <laughs> These people were part of the community and still are part of the community that fucking thought, you know, that fought for like medical care for HIV AIDS treatment, yeah. right? They they were in the trenches with us, right? And I, I think it is really important for them to continue to be recognized yeah. or else it'd be a complete disservice to where we were at, in the past. And uh, this is a shout out to like younger LGBTQ2S, um, AA, LMNOP people of our community. You need to know your history. And not to say that I know all the queer history as well, right? But again, I, I, I reiterate this point, like we owe a debt of thanks and a, and a debt of gratitude to those who came before us, right? Because, I agree. you know, we wouldn't be where we are here in 2022 yeah. if it wasn't for people who fought. Actually, fun fact, fun yeah. fact that I just found out, the reason that initially when we were calling ourselves LGBT, the reason that L was put first to represent the lesbians is a debt of thanks for all the lesbian nurses who treated queer men who were dying in hospitals of HIV AIDS oh. because no one else would want it to take care of them. So it was the lesbian nurses that took care of them. Of course. So, oh. yo, shout out to our lesbian nurses. Yes. You know who you are. Love you. <laughs> I Yeah. There's so much of history that even I, like, I don't know a whole lot. I, I need to learn more. And it's so easy to, especially like today, it's, it's, you don't really know that much as, as much as all the, inter, it, like the information is out there on the interwebs. And I feel so old for saying interwebs, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's all there, but it's still so hard to access because it's, people don't want to access that. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's, it's like going on TikTok when TikTok first started and, and being told of all these life hacks. Uh-huh. Like today I learned that you can do this. And it's just like, I'm pretty sure I always knew that. You're only <laughs> learning this now because TikTok told you. Yeah, honestly. Um, and so it, like it's easy to get more complacent with knowing history or just knowing about life around you when you have social media just telling you all these random things. Right. And then you kind of get kerfuffled with like celebrities and other things that are happening. You don't really know where the background history of all that is. Um, and to be fair, like there's still a lot of stuff that I don't know. I, you know, the Stonewall riots and, and I'm still learning about the, what happened pre Stonewall riots that led to those riots. Mm-hmm. That's a good and, question. um, actually I'm going to interrupt. Do you know that we had our own Stonewall riots here in Canada? Where? 
Uh, so in 1980, there was, I, I'm going to botch this, but there was <laughs> some type of uh, police raid with a couple of bathhouses in the 1980s, like early 1980s. In Toronto? Here in Toronto. Okay. And um, Margaret Atwood was part of the protests Hell after yeah. the fact. Fucking Margaret. I, I know. Um, and yeah, no, it was just very much like, how dare the police break up, you know, gay men just doing what they want to do. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it was, it was freaking great that, you know the gay community rallied around this injustice of like the cops just smacking it down just because they don't like gays cavorting and yeah. having a good time. So, so this happened in Toronto, this happened in New York. Mm-hmm. This must've happened in other places. It's really telling that it was always like this. Or Hom- Homophobia existed, right? Yeah. And or just even how people viewed other people. Like you yeah. had, there was always this majority and there were always the same types of majority of people. And you had similar kind of Stonewall riots happening. It just goes to show you that like, it's not a unique situation to just ourselves. No, not at all. And, and again, that reinforces the fact that we need to continue to move the needle forward yeah. to ensure that Sure, we have all these wonderful things in Canada, but mm-hmm. like, what about other communities outside of Canada or even in Canada? You know, there's still lots of rights that need to be protected and fought for for our trans yeah. um, siblings, right? right? So, oh, and I mean, we would, I, 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 yes, I do want like non binary, gender non conforming trans people to be included in everyday life, but it's even just, even just my rights as a woman sometimes are questioned. Like, mm-hmm. we're still living, it's 2022, and I don't even know. If I were to go to some states in America, if I would have proper health care or, you know, just just reading about stuff like that. Like, it's just like even some of our most basic rights are being taken away. Right. And when I like I was reading um, about like the popular opinion of the Supreme Court in the states and they're going to probably overturn Roe v. Wade, which is um, women's right to abortion. But then they were even talking about like just when it, not too long ago when they approved uh, of same-sex marriage, a lot of their popular opinion went down. And it's only going down by some other people now because of abortion. But it's just so interesting. Like it's like yeah. we have these rights, but they're they can go away so quickly. Right. And especially because in today's temperament, it's just it's us versus them. It's right versus left. And there's no middle ground anymore. It's mm-hmm. either you're on our side or you're not. And we're just going to take away your rights if you can't. And that's really scary. It really is. It really is. And again, I'll, I'll say it again. That's why it's it, for me as, as a as a queer gay man. Sorry, that's redundant. Um, pride's so important, yeah. right? To, to ensure that, you know, the majority that's outside of the LGBTQ2S community is aware that we're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go down that route, but like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're queer, we're here, and uh, we're going to continue to be here. <laughs> Respect will, oh, and worship us. I just hit that mic. Um, I, on, just slightly on that note, yeah. I, it made me very happy when it happened, but there was... Um, after uh, Leah Thomas and the NCAA swimming championships and and people just losing their minds over the fact that a trans athlete won, um, there were a number of anti-trans bills for kids coming oh, out. Fuck. And a lot of them were getting passed in the Republican states. <sighs> but there were two Republican states that vetoed the bill, which made my heart so happy because they didn't have to. But they recognized... And I can only talk about the Utah one because I really don't remember for the life of me who the other state was. But the the senator of Utah vetoed that bill because he recognized that, A, there weren't that many trans kids. 
Um, he, he actually counted how many trans kids there were in his state and there might've been four. And he was just like, I don't see why I should allow a bill to pass if I'm only calling out to those four trans kids. But when I look at the mental health state of these kids and the bullying and, um, suicides and just, you know, it's, it's not easy for these kids. Why am I going to make it worse for them? And he's like, of those four, there's only one competing in sports. So he's like, this isn't, this isn't an issue right now. And I don't want to make it an issue because ultimately at the end of the day, um, we have to look out for them and their well-being and their safety because that actually is not happening. And when all these other Republican states said yes, just automatically said yes, because they were like, oh my God, our kids are being held up against these ridiculous standards. I don't want to put our kids through this. These two Republican senators said no. And, and that is what we also need more of as well. So like, thankfully for pride, but also thankfully for people using their rational, um, their, their brains for proper yep. reasons and not just like in this hyper sensitized world where we just have to go with what everyone else is doing. It was, it was lovely to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's sad yeah. that it's that small, but it was still nice to see. Yeah. I, 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 I can't say anything, but I agree with you and, and express my gratitude for allies. Not mm. to say that, you know, just because they do one thing that's very small that they're like a queer ally. Yeah, and like, no. I like mean, I, I, I absolve them of all the other like Republican decisions they've right. made, but whatever. It's a small step. Context, it's a small yeah. step, especially when it comes to kids and just that whole thing. Anyways, um, well, I mean, if we're going to talk about you know, like my, the, this, his, this, this journey of the podcast. Um, I mean, I also did my episode with Diana on, on trends yes. and ge- like gender identities. And I'm going to be honest, that was probably my favorite conversation that I've had thus far. So our conversation, it wasn't your favorite. Okay. I, I see. I see how it is. Obviously I'm fucking with you. Absolutely. You know what? <laughs> that conversation. So like, uh, at this point, we've only published the first one, yes. and but by the time our listeners listen to this, you know the second one will yeah. be out. But um, can I can I just share my favorite moments oh my God, of the conversation? Do. Um, the two parts that really struck me. Um, so I like to think that I'm pretty like up and up with trans issues. I've gone to a one-on-one trans education training for three hours, this and that. So I'm like so proud of myself. But obviously, you know, um, there's more to. Uh, knowing about uh, trans issues than just going to a training session. Um, No, Diana fucking was so vulnerable and honest. And she said two things that really like struck me. One, the crying piece. So just Mm -hmm. to remind you and uh, people listening. So she talked about how uh, when she was uh, identifying as a man before her transition, uh, she talked about how tears just, like she it thought hurt. that it hurt to cry. It hurt to cry. Uh, she figured that it was toxic masculinity that was preventing her from crying. But then once, uh, you know, she she had her inhibitor, her uh, T inhibitors in, and yeah, t- after yeah. hormone replacement therapy, Thank and she you. like depleted the testosterone and yes. introduced the estrogen. It just comes naturally. Should watch yeah. um, what was that show? Bridget, no, not Bridgerton. Um, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey, <laughs> and you know, it just waterworks, and it was very cathartic, and it felt awesome. Lean in, I think she said about yeah. crying, and I'm and like, I never thought Fuck. about that either because I always used to think that. Um, it's men and it's toxic masculinity that yeah. men can't feel their emotions and cry and stuff like that. And it was just like, why is it that we always think women are more fragile for crying? And I never really thought that maybe it was hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I found that super insightful too when right. she told me that. And then conversely, she referred to one of her uh, transmasculine um, friends, peers, uh-huh. 
who miss their tears, which yeah. I thought was really fascinating. Because like, if if that is the case, then maybe it kind of like uh, demonstrates that toxic masculinity isn't an actually like maybe a a, a, a smaller piece to why. Yeah, men it's hormone, don't cry. hormones yeah, it play a hormonal. big part as to why we are the way we are, and mm-hmm. I um. I never really considered that with the emotion part, but the funny thing is, and I think this is where, um, the, the, maybe the toxic side of masculinity, whatever it is, is just how we view crying and being emotional as negative and weak. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, it's just very necessary. Like a good, like, and, and this is something, it's really interesting. I think because I grew up um, around men my entire life. And I've always just like leaned in more to my masculine tendencies or my ma- masculine energy or whatever you want to refer to it as. I never cried and I always found weakness in with crying and I never liked being around people that cried. I didn't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until at some point I, I grew up a little bit and I started embracing or being very okay with my femininity. And I now feel like constantly I need a good cry. Mm-hmm. It just releases all these emotions and I feel so much better totally. because you just allowed yourself to just be so vulnerable and get it out of you and and then I can go on. But sometimes I feel like if I don't have a cry or have, have that emotional release, I'm so pent up with mm. frustration. Right. So when was the last time you had a good cry? <laughs> if I may ask. You don't um, have to answer a good that. cry has been, it's truthfully, it's been a while. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I have been the happiest I've ever been in so long. And I think that's partly because I'm in a relationship. Hey. Um, <laughs> you hear that, Jesse? <laughs> Um, that I haven't really cried. I have, I have shed tears over like not about not knowing how to navigate it because, um, let me tell you being in a relationship for the first time in a really long time, I have no idea how to navigate stuff. And so sometimes I get like really in my head about it and and I'll like tears, a a tear or two will come down, but a good cry hasn't happened in a while. Also, this whole podcasting has kept me so busy that I haven't had the ability to, it's, it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so unfortunately I can't answer that question which kind of defeats the whole purpose of this conversation. No, no, not at all. Not at all. When was the last time you cried? um, Do you cry? I don't even know this. I, well, I could tell you the last time I cried, but it was just more like overwhelming. I was just overwhelmed by um, a lot of like really cool imagery. So I was watching everything everywhere all at once. I cannot recommend this movie enough because it's just fucking brilliant. So it stars Michelle Yeoh, uh, uh, oh, right, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm blanking on everyone else's names, but it's, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. The uh, Roundhouse from Indiana Jones, who's since grown up into this really cool- Is that a superhero movie? No, not at all. It's not It's not an MCU movie. Oh, uh, Michelle, but no, no, no. It's not an MCU movie, but no, I heard it's a superhero- Because I heard it, okay. No, yeah, no, sorry. so it did, like, the, the whole multiverse thing is a theme, but it is not, like, a heavy, you know, it's, it, it, it doesn't, like, underline the whole thing. Anyways, like I was laughing one second and then I'm bawling my eyes out another. So like I'm still on the high, like there's like highs and lows within like a second Uh and it's fucking brilliant. But um, what you were describing though, like having a good cry and just like letting it all fucking out. Mm. um, I don't think I experienced that because I was reacting to what I was seeing. I wasn't reacting to what's like percolating inside. So the most equivalent thing that I could talk about was... uh, 
maybe about three or four weeks ago. This we're gonna get into therapy here. Oh, oh yay! I love therapy. Uh, but long story short, so like I've had this like nagging feeling at the back of my head that I didn't want to address. So I'm not a very anxious person. I'm pretty much like, oh, the world's ending. But I'm like, do do do, silver lining. <laughs> we got this. I've been telling my partner. There's so much that's out of our control in our circle of influence. Um, they're kind of like waves crashing on a boat. You and me, we are in this boat and we're just going to navigate with our paddle. Yeah. Like I'm that guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you are. With that said, four weeks ago, you know, there's this like nagging, like existential angst that was telling me you've peaked and now it's time for you to just wait and die. Oh. And I was like, I know, right? No. Super dark. But I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I have nothing else to look forward to, right? So like this, this like nagging, like, all right, do you have nothing else to live for? You know? So, oh my God. you know, you've peaked, John, you've peaked. So that, that was nagging me, right? So yeah. like Anthony was kind of picking up on this like weird vibe. Um, this was about three weeks ago? Yeah. Maybe you've picked up on it too. I don't know. But, uh, you know, as an extrovert, I could put on a good show, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like um, me and Anthony were having this lovely evening. Maybe speak of the devil. Is that yeah, Anthony? Yeah, he's totally messaging. <laughs> Thanks, computer, for not being mute. <laughs> all good. All good. It's it's like the universe, like his ears are burning and he's like, hey, yeah, I should talk to Shelly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like uh, me and Anthony are having this like lovely dinner Saturday night on our balcony. The moon's rising. But I'm feeling like garbage and I, I turn to my partner and I'm just like, Anth, I need to talk to you about this like thing that's hanging over me. Um, and then I spilt my guts and kind of like a good cry, I felt fucking great afterwards. Yeah. The following day, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make plans. I do have lots to, to look forward See? towards, right? Yeah, I, there is something so nice. Even if it's just not even a good cry, it's just releasing whatever it is. Like, like there's always that nagging thing in the back of your mind. Yeah. And you don't want to talk about it because you're so scared of talking about it. But the yeah. minute you do... It's A, your brain stops nagging you, which I think is the the most ultimate reason to celebrate. But then it's just like this like weight has been lifted off of you. And and then you're like, yeah, okay, I can go on my way. Because I feel like we also think that everything is so bad and so draining and so toxic. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. when you talk about it, you realize it's not that bad. Oh, totally. And then that ultimately to me is some of the reasons why I feel so much better. I can get real down and I can ruminate and I can have depression. And I think that the world is going to hate me. And then- and then I talk about it with someone and they're like, Shelly, that's not even that bad. Or they'll tell me their problem and it's way worse than mine. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, I feel great. I feel, I mean, not to say anything bad about the other person, but like, it's okay, great. I, yeah, I yeah. get it. I get it. This is just, my brain wants to tell me that I'm the worst person in the world right now. And that's not actually the truth. Not actually the and truth. And sometimes it's just that release that makes you feel so mm-hmm. much better. Right. I also, on a side note, that's probably the reason why there's so much gun violence in the States. Oh, Mental health. I I remember thinking this um, when there was the shootings with the guy in the Asian massage parlors. Oh, geez. and I just remember Atlanta? thinking to myself, yes, yeah, that was in Atlanta. That was Atlanta. There's so yeah. many. Um, mm-hmm. I just remember thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, I don't see any female gun shooters. Um, why? Why is that? And it's, I'm not trying to make this like a a woman versus man thing, but I do think it's a large part that they don't know how to release their anger. And so the best thing that they can do is 
the easiest thing that they can do is buy a gun mm-hmm. and they get their 50 minutes of fame, maybe go live on Twitch or Discord and like have like some kind of live streaming event. Right. And it's just their way of releasing this pent up aggression. Right. And, and instead it's not healthy. And I think that it's so toxic and, and they're taught so hard not to say anything that mm-hmm. that's the only way they know how to release. And I think that's the mm-hmm. only reason why, well, amongst other things, it's the reason why it's just so rampant right now, gun violence. Right. Um, I, th- I think that you really underlined the, the need to expand and normalize discussion of mental health among men. Yes. To really disarm. Yeah. And I, I mean that in many, many different ways. Really disarm men from taking that step towards violence mm-hmm. by talking about what the heck is going on in their head. Yeah. Why do they feel the way that they do? Why are they so fucking angry? I don't understand you why know? it's so hard for them to do that though. Like, I mean, I do yeah. understand why, like we tell people largely, but also men that they shouldn't talk about this stuff and it's too feminine and it's too weak to talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I, it boggles my mind because it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It it actually will just make you more of a nuanced person. Like you know, there's more. You, people will see you differently if you actually say that you're not okay at times. Right, right. Um, if you could indulge a little rant, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I think at the risk of sounding Pollyanna, I, th- I think it all comes down to compassion. So yes. I think that yes. um, while a lot of hate comes from fear of not understanding why the people, why other people that they don't know are the way they are. If they can just look at the unknown, think at things that, look at things that they, that scare them with a veil of compassion rather than fear, Mm -hmm. they would Mm -hmm. be more inclined to reach across that, that void of fear to really understand them better, right? So like, dare I say, I'm trying to be compassionate towards like, these gunmen, yeah. why are they, so the person who killed those, those, those victims, right? Not that I'm excusing his fucking actions, right? But like, why did he do it? Like, why is he so angry? Why is he so angry at these women? Just asking that question would have spared their lives. Yeah, it's, it's also when I look back at where incel came from. Oh. Um, incel involuntary celibacy came, mm-hmm. it started from a woman in Montreal. A woman? Yes. And, and she, I didn't see that coming. she, um, <laughs> well, because at the heart of it, it makes sense. She, I, and I, this has been a while since I've, I came across the story, but from my recollection is that she was by curious or, you know, she was in school trying to, trying to find a partner and just wasn't getting anywhere. And so she decided to start a support group of people that were in the same kind of situation. Okay. And um, it's just a way for like people to talk to each other, help each other out. You know, like, you know, dating is not easy. You're in university, hormones are all over the place. You can get upset real fast. You, there's all these extra things about studying and all this other stuff. So there, it, it was this support group and it was, um, there were men and women all all over. And at some point she stopped because she um, either got a teaching job or graduated and she left. And then she got a message a couple years later saying that 
her group, as innocent as that started off, then devolved okay. into um, into men taking it over and mm. using it as they, they used it as an outpost of like being upset that they were trying to hit on women and women were saying no. And and then it, it just completely devolved into where it is now, where it's just like they can't even handle the rejection. And so instead of handling the rejection, understanding why they're being rejected, it's let's get angry at the people that reject me. And 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 then it became this like hate group of like we're gonna hate oh the Beckys the Karens or like the, the Barbies the, the, the Barbies Kens. yes the the, the, yeah. the hot yeah. women that we that we hit on that say no to us how dare they and the the men that they hook up with how dare they um, it's not fair to me and I feel like when it comes to that gun violence it's very similar in that in that mentality of thinking it's you know the world is out to get me no one wants to let me be me um, because of whatever reason and so they take out their anger on these other people but like. Like, we all live that world. We all know we what it's like to be rejected. Yep. And it's funny because for me as a woman, when a man doesn't, when I, when I try to say no to a man, sometimes the rejection that I get is, well, you're a fat cow who wants to have sex with you anyway. You're a dirty, disgusting bitch that has sex with all these people who wants to have sex with you. And I'm like, literally, you just wanted to have sex with me before I said no to you. But you can handle that rejection. I get rejection all the time. Yeah. Right? Like, we all get it. It's how you manage to handle that rejection. And I think with those men, especially with gun violence, they don't know how to handle it at all. And I don't know what kind of life they live in their household. I'm pretty sure their parenting and that household that they live in is pretty damn toxic to begin with. Yeah. But I think that also adds on to that anger. Mm -hmm. And they don't know how to healthily release themselves of that pent up mm -hmm. aggression, mm -hmm. whether or not it's boxing. Like, why don't you like go, go sign up for some MMA like that? Like to me, <laughs> kickboxing and boxing is like the ultimate form of, of releasing pent up aggression. Yeah. But like, if they just found another form of it, then they could learn that it's doesn't have to be so extreme. Right. Right. I hearing that just reminds me of a, a lesson that I, that seems to be reinforced all the time. We all have egos. We all are sensitive, but some people, are more self-aware and have a thicker skin. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Anthony. Anthony is like one of the thickest skinned people who has very little ego about most things. Right. And I say most, not all. Yeah. But most. We're not perfect. I'm, I, I was raised to be a little bit more sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a thinner skin. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm still relatively cognizant you of, you know. thin skin? I think I do. You don't show it then. Really? Well, maybe because Anthony, like, you know, he knows how to dig the jabs because, like, he grew up with, like, brothers who, like, right. jab at each other. So he feels like he could do that to me, too. And I'm just like, can you not, Anthony? That's so <laughs> rude. Ugh. He actually does, continues to pick at me just so he could get those reactions from me. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Um, and then, and sorry, just, just so that I could finish my point. So that, and, and then there are people who just are so thin-skinned and mm -hmm. so irrational that, like, yeah. um, you know, they feel like th everyone's out to get them or there's, like, the left is out to get them. Yes. Take my guns. Uh, you know, make me conform and be, like, non-binary when I'm a man with a penis, you yeah. know? Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Black like, lives matter. All lives matter. It's yeah, that. Yeah, oh. like, I'm, I'm being victimized by the left, right? Like... Mm. I understand that they feel victimized and, you know, they have, you know, an ego that's being attacked. Um, so I am 
trying to be compassionate to a certain degree, but like when it's, you know, baseless and like illogical, yeah, it's hard to maintain that compassion. Yeah. Yeah. I I do attribute it, or I I do think a lot of it is attributable to the fact of like, this is just a lifestyle that has been really dug into some people for, for decades and centuries. Right. And it's even like, um, I can really only use the States as, as my marker for it, but like you'll have it, it even it's, it's slavery and, um, people, um, Oh God, uh, slavery sympathizers, you know, like there's so there's, sorry, is that a thing currently contemporary? I don't know if it is contemporary. And I, I think it's more just people that owned plantations that didn't want to admit how bad it was Mm. that they spun it in a way that's like, Oh, we gave black people a a job and we taught them English and we, we allowed them to come here and integrate into society first. And that was like their way of excusing their behavior. Or if they were telling their kids, you know, in a way that didn't make them look bad, that like, it's just all of this kind of mentality has been, has been put into some of these families Mm -hmm. for so long that, um, they don't know how to see past it. Yeah. I have a solution for all of this. Are you ready for it? (laughs) Rub clits. Scissoring. (laughs) And I I say that like very facetiously and like flippantly, but there's actually a bit of like science to this. I'm going to say it again. All that we need to do to solve the world's problems (laughs) is to rub clits. Okay. And I say this because... I say this because, um, okay, so like I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best to do uh, justice to this. Um, so scientists or anthropo- um, zoologists, yeah. anthropologists have observed bonobo chimpanzees. So a subset of chimpanzees yes. are, are, so like all these uh, monkeys, uh, simians are social creatures just like humans, right? Chimpanzees, so the non-bonobos are um uh, patriarchal, just like our society. Right. And there's often a lot of violence between the patriarchs, these like fighting alpha males who mm-hmm. are trying to protect and dominate over other warring tribes, right? Yeah. Right? So there are there is no clit rubbing happening in this world, <laughs> right? However, when you look at bonobos, so these anthropologists would watch these bonobos resolve conflict by rubbing clits. So contrary to chimpanzees, bonobo no. chimpanzees are matri- um sorry. Matriarchal. And, matriarchal, thank yeah. you, right? So like whenever there's conflict between like, uh, like warring things, the lead female, alpha females, would come together yeah, and rub clits. Fuck yes. They would release um, tension and steam. So, you know, um, sorry, I, I could go on a tangent with this. Maybe <laughs> I will go on this tangent, but long story short, if we had more female fucking leaders yeah. pushing the agenda, you know, um, like shedding off all this like patriarchal bullshit of like, I have a bigger dick with you with more yes. weapons, more guns, all my toxic masculinity. And if they just like whipped out their giant clits Ugh, and rubbed scissor. up of each other, release that steam and say, hey, you know what? I look at you eye to eye with compassion. I see that we have differences, but if we just rub clits for another five minutes, we will find, you know, common ground. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I want to live in that world. I want to live in that world (laughs) as someone who has a clit. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you, it feels great. No doubt. No doubt. Let me ask you, um, because I think the intention of this conversation was to do more reflections yeah. on the pod itself. Obviously, we went on a wild tangent, yeah. which I enjoyed. 
But um, do you want to talk about like lessons learned as a podcaster? Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about the evolution. So Shelly, given, you know, the fact that you've, uh, you have X amount of, um, sorry, given the fact that you have like a X amount of pods under your belt now. So like, what do you think you've learned so far? Oh, I've, <laughs> um, what have I learned? I've learned that audio is essential. And yeah. oh my God, audio is so hard to do right. Um, I also never knew that I did this, but I make these. <laughs> and I hate th those sounds, those sounds. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. It's, it's so apparent and prevalent in my, very, in my episode with you because I did not realize I was doing it. And then it wasn't, I edit my own episode. So I was listening to it. And I, I actually... I, I got, I smoked a joint. I was like, that's going to focus me. I'm going to work on this episode. And all I could hear was me saying, <laughs> and I lost my mind. I was like, I, I can't do this. This is going to suck. Everyone's going to, everyone's going to listen to this and be like, what the hell, Shelly? What you can't, what is wrong with your mouth? What is these words? And I'm probably doing it right now. I'm not even realizing how dry mouthed I am, but I, I actually had to, shut down my computer and it sucked that I smoked a joint because I feel like I just ruined that high. And then I got so in my head that like everyone is going to listen to this and be like, what is this? This is garbage. I also got really up in my head when, with our episode, um, now I'm getting paranoid that my mouth is going to make noises. So I have <laughs> to have water. Um, I got really paranoid with our episode too, because I just was too worried about, is this too much information? Am I divulging too much about myself? Because our episode, I think by far is the most explicit. Sure. Um, and maybe because I feel so comfortable. Like, I mean, this is a friendship that we've had for so many years and yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I'm so fine talking to you about everything that I actually was just like, I don't know if I want, I don't, I don't know if I want people to hear you, you talk about my, um, and this is, I, I edited it out, but um, ex, exit holes. And like, um, and my exit hole would never be my butt because I don't like it. My, my exit hole would be my mouth or like, or in my vulva. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. it's just like, I, I, I got so caught up that people would think too much mm -hmm. about things. Um, so there's that there's getting out of my head, especially because I edit my own episodes. How much is too much editing? Is that, am I being disingenuous if I cut some stuff out or if I make myself, like if I trim people to, to eliminate some of the ums and the as and the so's and whatever filler words that people use. Um, it's that. And it's also mm -hmm. learning how to craft together an episode. Sure, so, sure. um, what was interesting, the episode that I did with Steven, the episode that I did with Blythe, I was really, really nervous for them. And I was struggling so much, especially, especially Blythe's episode. I struggled because I didn't know what I wanted out of it. I didn't know where I would go. I, I was getting really caught up in my head. Like I'm not really a producer that does these things. So this mm -hmm. was just me learning how to put together a product that had a beginning, middle and an end. I want to learn how to talk to people and make that all make sense. Yeah. But what if I don't know what the hell I want or right. like I have an idea or I had two ideas. How do I put them together? And then we had a conversation because I think after that episode I went to you and I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. Um, I, f I feel like I messed up. I feel like I didn't do it well. And you gave me really good freaking advice, which was, you know, like when you're putting together an episode plan or guide um, to think of it in themes 
as opposed to like the questions that I'm going to ask and like where I'm going to go with it. Because, you know, obviously conversation is organic yeah. and what you want out of it is not necessarily what you're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and your advice to me on, on approaching it as themes on what I want to talk about and then maybe like putting down talking points of what I would like, yeah. that changed that changed everything. Awesome. And, and it helped me so much. I'm not even a producer, bitch. I know. <laughs> you can now. <laughs> um, that that was game changing for me. It, it helped it helped frame a lot of things better. And and while I haven't necessarily you know, Diana's Diana's conversation was completely theme based. Um, I have an episode where I feature myself. That one is a little bit different, but yeah, kind of theme based with that one too. And mm-hmm. that is how I'm approaching all the other ones, and it makes me feel more okay with it all. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. If I could just uh, um, react to that, so like I knowing you, uh-huh. um, and as as our audience uh, gets to know you as well, like you are very much critical of yourself and you want to have a really, really polished product, which is, you know, faultless. Like, of course you want like a really good product. However, um, this is also an opportunity for you to craft and, and, and learn your art. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can't have that, uh, on day one. Right. And even though like you've been at this for six months now, right? Like this is still the beginning of a very long process of of learning how to develop something. Right. So be kind to yourself. I know. Be kind to you. You know what? It's worth saying again, be kind to yourself, Shelly. That's so hard. Right. My therapist tells me that all the time. (laughs) Hey man, (laughs) just pay me half what you're paying your therapist and I'll tell it to you again, man. I got a mortgage. <laughs> Interest rates are going up. What the fuck? Sorry. Oh, God, That's I have another, a mortgage sorry. too. Sorry. Triggered. But uh, <laughs> sideline. Yeah. So like with that said, like you are doing what you are supposed to be doing. Yeah. Both in failure and in success. I have to remind myself of that, but thank you. It's it's really Absolutely. hard to actually do that as as a perfectionist. Yeah. Ooh, what a terrible thing. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 trying to take that constantly, and you do yeah. tell me that all the time. Yeah. And um, I have high standards for myself, so that's probably what yeah. it is too. One more thing. So pulling from dra- uh, RuPaul's Drag Race again. So uh, there was a recent episode that was just aired of Evie Oddly yeah. on uh, the All Star season, talk about failure to success. Yes. She strongly encourages everyone to fuck up. I agree with right? that. Like you need to trip on yourself to know, oh, I'm not supposed to trip on that. I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. Right? Um, so really cheesy acronym. So that I'd like to impart failure is an acronym for first time. Sorry. First attempt in learning. There it is. Yeah. First attempt in learning. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like it, it's going to feel fucking hard and terrible and yeah. you want to just like impale yourself with how embarrassed you are with like <laughs> the horrible thing. But one, it's not that bad. And two, take a deep breath, go masturbate, rub clits with oh, someone. Yes. And then reflect. Okay. So I fucked up. What can I take? Uh, what, what can I take away from this? Yeah. You're, you're definitely right. Um, it's one of those things where, um, Actually, I think Jesse told me this. It's like, it's a journey and people are going with you on a journey and you know, you, you'll have ups and downs and that's totally fine. And that was actually one of the best pieces of advice I could get is that, you know, sure it's a journey. And I'm hoping that all the, the listeners are on that with me and can appreciate that. And, and then we just keep growing. Awesome. Speaking of growing, can I ask you another question? Of course about your you growth? can. So your dad. 
Yeah. Um, as we talked about before, uh, it's really cool that you're able to like not only talk about sex with your dad, but have him on the pod. Has your dad listened to other episodes? Like, have uh, things changed? Um, so, so you know, as cool as my dad is, there's he he and my mom are still not well versed in the technological realm of things. <laughs> so, um, so they've listened. My mom and my dad have both listened to my episode with my dad, but um, they haven't listened to anything else. They haven't mm-hmm. listened to anything else yet. They just haven't had the time. They haven't gotten around to it. Um, I hope that they do. Mm-hmm. But what was good? What would? What was? Did you have a follow up question to that? The reason I ask is because I think because your dad is such a really interesting character, where you had such a cool conversation. I'm just curious to know what he had to say afterwards. Yeah, I I think eventually I would like to find out, or I'd like him to listen to more and and for that. But what I think ultimately I would like to do before the end of this season is to have him on with someone else. Mm. One of you know maybe my dad. <laughs> That would be, that would just... It would be disgusting. I don't know how that would be. No, no, my dad would probably get offended and throw a punch. Speaking of like, like fragile e- right. egos. I, I, and then uh, your dad would take him out because I'm sure your dad could take him out. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, dad. Maybe. My dad, my dad told me today, today that he scored, he got, he played golf. Uh-huh. Um... And he, I, not like, this is going to fall on such deaf ears right now because none of us play golf, but my dad, my dad's glowing accomplishment today is going to the course and he just broke 80 for the first time ever. I don't know what that means, but no. maybe someone will appreciate that. Um, does that make him stronger than everyone else? I don't know. But Ultimately, sorry, where I wanted to go is I want my dad to be on an episode with um, someone who's queer. You, Ooh. Um, Diana. I don't okay. know, and have a conversation to facilitate more. Nice. Where he actually has the ability to talk to someone else, not just his daughter. Right. But have me as a buffer. Mm-hmm. That is what I would like an episode to be at some point. Nice. Okay. Allow me to ask you one more question, okay. and then I think that we need to move on to some other stuff. Okay. Huh? So, hi. Um, <laughs> so... The second half of of the podcast series, yeah. what do you hope to achieve? What do you hope to apply? What are your what are your thoughts and dreams? Oh, thoughts and dreams. I didn't realize I had those. Um I would I've I've learned a lot from the first couple of episodes. I've used my friends to talk about stuff that I um I'd talk about all these issues. Now it's starting to move towards people that are not necessarily my friends. So I would like to just build on this like themes and oh, I have better, I have a better audio setup. Yeah, you do. Maybe I should start thinking about social media a little bit more, uh-huh. you know, like use all these things and, and find just as equally interesting and controversial, um, topics to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Also building on kind of responses that people have said, people have thrown out ideas. I've had conversations with people and I'm like, would you want to be a guest on my podcast? And they said, yes. So it's just like, okay, now I want to put my thinking hat on and how would I want to finish um, this season? Mm-hmm. So it's going to it's gonna be interesting. There's there's some cool people. Like, in my opinion, it's cool. Well, listeners, it sounds like that you're in for a treat with yeah. Shelly D, motherfuckers. <laughs> I would like to thank you for tuning in today. Download, leave a review, follow and share this episode and the podcast with your friends, family, really whomever you like. You can find me on Just Curiosity Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and you can email me at justcuriositypod at gmail.com 
as I would absolutely love to know your thoughts, insights, comments, and all those juicy stories. But most of all, stay curious, friends. I'm Shelly D, and this has been Just Out of Curiosity.